This is Performance Delivered, insider secrets for digital marketing success with Stefan Horst and Dave Antiel. Welcome to the Performance Delivered, insider secrets for digital marketing success podcast, where we talk with marketing and agency executives and learn how they build successful businesses and their personal brand. I'm your host, Stefan Horst. The topic for today's episode is B2B social ads. Why LinkedIn ads crushes Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram for return on advertising spend. Here to speak with me is Ryan Draving, who is the co-founder and head of strategy at The Moving Company, a Philadelphia-based B2B agency focused on revenue growth for its clients. Ryan is a seasoned B2B and SaaS digital marketing consultant. He collaborates with B2B marketing teams to drive MQLs, SQLs, and revenue. Ryan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Stefan. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, Ryan, before we start talking about why LinkedIn ads crush all the other social platforms, tell us a little bit more about yourself. How did you get started in your career and uh, what led you to uh, founding um, the moving company? Sure. So uh, I, I've got some great parents. I got lucky. And, uh, and my dad, he ran a computer consulting company. So uh, I enjoyed working with him for, you know, a few summers uh, in between, you know, high school and junior high school, even in junior high, I started doing a, a little bit of playing around with some of the photo creation tools, the design tools, started doing uh, some ads for some local businesses, some small businesses, and, uh, and then got into Microsoft front page, which was one of the very first, uh, what you see is what you get editors back in the nineties, late nineties for, uh, websites. And so I started playing with that, got into that. Uh, I went to school for business management. And when I graduated, I started uh, working with a friend of mine from kindergarten and he and I, uh, had a e-commerce business going that, uh, is still going today, empirecovers.com. Um, great place to get your car covers and your floor mats if you need any. Uh, but uh, we grew that over the first three years to a $2.2 million run total. And, and that kind of got the, uh, the fire under me for digital advertising, digital marketing, um, really e-commerce at the time. But, but that uh, expanded into overall digital marketing and then narrowed down into B2B relatively quickly. Uh, did some work with Comcast Business Consulting there. Uh, did some work with some other B two B organizations, and really started to move to the point where where most of my clientele today uh, in the company that that I built uh, with my co founders really is uh, uh, companies which are all B two B, a lot of SaaS, some service based businesses, and and a number that are hybrid, and and largely companies that have a, a complex sales cycle. Interesting. Um, now, it's a bold statement to say, you know, LinkedIn ads crush Facebook and all the other platforms. So forget about them. Just focus on LinkedIn. Um, let's start off there. Why should people forget about the others? Or is there a caveat to that statement? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good question, right? There's always a, a little bit of detail behind it. So uh, in this particular case, uh, well, first of all, I'll say that this is applicable directly to social, right? So when I'm talking about LinkedIn ads, crushing it over all the other platforms, I'm talking about social platforms. But when we look at, at LinkedIn ads versus uh, Facebook ads versus TikTok and, and Pinterest and, and you know really everything else out there, there, there are so many places that you can be. And some marketers will tell you, well, you should be everywhere uh, and have a presence everywhere because your audience is everywhere. I generally look at that and say, okay, where is your audience really trying to have the kind of conversation 
that you want to be able to have with them. And that conversation is not necessarily, hey, buy my product, but at the very least, they're on there, not because they're trying to uh, take a break and unwind from the workday, but they're instead on there because they're interested in learning something about their career and their career growth. LinkedIn is a fantastic place for early and mid-stage content. And so that's the kind of content that, that is really going to draw people in there. When you look at Facebook, you look at Twitter, um, Twitter just doesn't have the kind of attention span uh, from the audience, right? So your audience is probably on Twitter as a B2B company. They may be on there for a career. Um, on Facebook, you're generally not on there looking and Instagram, you're not generally looking for uh, career related information. There's so much else that's shiny and distracting. And on LinkedIn, you're competing with other businesses and other business professionals talking about business items. So uh, you can be as shiny and exciting and interesting as the next topic and the next post. So that's, that's one reason. The other is that the targeting on LinkedIn is so tight relative to every other network out there. Now you can build custom audiences and custom matched lists to be able to upload. But if you don't already have the custom list of email addresses and contact names and websites of, of every one of your target decision makers and the right email for them that they happen to be using on that social network, you're kind of out of luck. And on LinkedIn, the, the level of targeting you get on the job side is so specific because obviously it's a career platform unlike these others. Um, now, there are some uses for these other platforms. I can talk about that in a moment. Interesting. Now, when, when you talk about LinkedIn, it's just great from a result perspective. We're talking about, you know, we talk about leads or whatever happens down the sales funnel. So sales at the end of the day. We're talking about the quality or quantity of leads being generated or is it both? It's a great question. So, so I think about it in two ways. Um, when, when I look at this, uh, first of all, when we think about quality, there are a lot of factors that go into that. And each business has its own definitions of what, what a quality lead is, right? That's decided on between sales and marketing. But uh, at the very least, you know, that a quality lead needs to have the right business firm graphics. It needs to have the right data about uh, uh, both industry, about job title and seniority, like the department and the function. It needs to have, uh, it needs to be the right people, right? The people who are on the buying committee, at least, and ideally are decision makers or heavy influencers of that buying process. Um, and there are various types of assets that you might put out to others who are more veto like IT, um, often in, in the clients that I work with. What we, what we look at there is really uh, with LinkedIn, it's about quality leads, first of all. It's about a, a, a reasonable quantity, especially when you look at the cost per lead. Um, and, and yes, you're going to get from LinkedIn, maybe two out of three of the leads that you get are really going to, to match the criteria that you are targeting. But you just have to factor that into your cost per lead and realize that, yeah, okay, so... Add on, add on 30% and you've got a, a, a still a very good cost per lead. So that's an interesting statement uh, you just had because interesting enough, I had a call earlier with a client of ours, which is a B2B client. And we talked about, you know, what is your lead to MQL rate? And they were talking about, mm -hmm. you know what, at the moment, paid media is kind of on about, a, I think, 20, 25%, which I think is not too bad, you know, but they want to be more towards 50%. But, mm -hmm. and then this is where, where your statement is interesting. I quite often have conversations with companies and they're generally just interested in the lead. It's like, give me more leads. And then when I start talking, it's like, look, it's not about the lead because I, I could just grab right. you with leads and they could be all unqualified and you don't on the bottom line see sales and revenue. 
right? So it's about quality lead. And that might mean that your actually cost per lead goes up because you might get less leads, but the lead number of leads you get are all of a sudden more qualified, which means what comes out on the bottom is still higher than with your previous approach. That's yeah. That, I, you couldn't be more on on point. Um, and and fortunately, more often than not, my clients understand that um, fairly intuitively. You know, the 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 smaller the company is, the more likely they're thinking. I just need leads. Um, eventually, they start to realize. Uh, you know, as they grow and as they 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 have more leads than they can deal with, it starts to become more about quality. Um, yeah. And and so. When, you know, you think about it, okay, well, I want my lead to MQL ratio to be X. Well, no, really what I want is a certain number of MQLs in the month. Um, and, and I want that to be growing over time. And I want that to be at a cost per lead or cost, cost per MQL that is uh, highly profitable for me. Um, and so that, that's where I say, okay, well, yeah, I'm not, I'm not worried about your lead to MQL ratio. What I'm worried about is your cost per MQL and the volume of MQLs and how fast those move from MQL through to SQL through to, to true uh, a true hot opportunity in negotiation through to actual real revenue and how long those clients stay with you as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Now in conversations with, 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 with colleagues and peers in the market, I quite often hear, well, you know, yeah, LinkedIn is great, has a lot of great targeting, but it's very expensive. And, you know, for the, for the B2B clients that we have, it doesn't make sense. Our feeling is, you know, it's working for companies that have a lifetime value of plus $10,000. What are your thoughts on that? I, I agree with you and them fully, except a couple of caveats. But the first thing is, I, I actually agree with that. Uh, I'm not going to be controversial on this topic. It is excellent for, you know, like I said, those, those are my kind of clients. Typically, my clients have at least a 10,000 lifetime value, and, and often it's 10,000 per year or sometimes per month or more. And so, so LinkedIn is, is fantastic for those companies. If your business really relies on high volume rather than a small number of, co- of clients uh, with a large average contract value, um, then, then really, yeah, you, you, you probably don't have money to be spending on advertising in general. And your play is probably much more on the content side and on the partner side. Um, LinkedIn is fantastic for generating partnerships as well. Um, I, you know, I, I've used LinkedIn for uh, uh, partnerships for our own business and for our clients. Um, we just started working with a, a new client, $300,000 contract value, about 367 contract value for the first six months, right? And, and that is directly from a partner generated through LinkedIn. And so that is, that is the primary method that we use for our own agency uh, to, to grow our business. Now, for most of our clients, LinkedIn alone is not nearly enough, um, but it really depends on the volume that you need. I almost always pair it with Google Ads. Uh, just as a marketing agency, that's the one place that every marketing agency goes to first. So I always try to zag when everyone else is going in a, a different direction. What do you do using LinkedIn from a partnership perspective? It might be interesting for companies that don't have a you know, ticket value or lifetime value of, of plus $10,000. 
Sure. So uh, when we look at partners on LinkedIn, we start by saying, okay, who are who are the golden geese in your industry, right? And, and I use that as very colloquial, but golden geese really just, you know, who are who are the individuals? And I say individuals, not companies for a reason. Who are the individuals who have the kind of network and, and relationships where once they say, you know what, I trust this business, I can see the results, I see the value and people that I know need to know this company, when, when you have that kind of person in mind, it's, it's sometimes hard to create those relationships at scale. Now, how do, how do businesses usually do that? They do it by going to networking sessions. They, go, they, they do it uh, very rarely, but occasionally by cold calling. They do it by asking their, their friends and their colleagues and their connections for introductions. But at the end of the day, none of those approaches are very scalable. Right. Um, I would say I would say the the most scalable approach for it is uh, outside of LinkedIn ads is simply uh, LinkedIn messaging. But that itself has all kinds of issues and challenges with it, you know, in, in terms of both cost, but but primarily in terms of time, in terms of, of how much you can actually scale that, how many messages you can send a day in terms of the, you know, how that impacts your particular brand with those people who are not pleased about getting, uh, you know, cold messages constantly. Right. Uh, we're all getting inundated now uh, across all of our platforms. So when we look at, at LinkedIn ads to, to reach channel partners, we have a whole process to go out to incentivize them to take 25 minutes on a call. Uh, that 25 minutes is the first chance to establish a little bit of connection to understand who they are, make sure that they're a good fit partner to tell them a little bit about what you do with your partnership program. And we have a whole process for that as well. Um, but then in that 25 minutes, you've now either established that, no, they're not a good fit for you, or hopefully tempted them into the idea of saying, yeah, let's hop on another call. And then that next call is maybe an hour long. It's a whole that the intention of the call that's set on the first call uh, for that second call is a dog and pony show. And you're walking them through all kinds of results that you have, right? Um, all, all of the kinds of work that you do. And you're learning a little bit more about them as well. And so now you started this relationship. And then there's a whole process that we go through to expand out from there. Um, at the end of the day, these people who are cold LinkedIn ad prospects um, for partnerships, they end up going from a first call where they don't know anything about you to the point where they're saying, here's a download of my LinkedIn uh, connections. Here's an export of my email connections. I'd like you to look through that and tell me anyone that you see that you'd like an introduction to because I'd love to make some introductions for you. And, and the reason that we do those exports is because you can say, someone can say, oh yeah, I'd, I'd love to make introductions. But even just taking the time to think through who's the right fit, sometimes that's a lot to ask of a partner, right? So, um, so, so that's how we use LinkedIn for establishing those partnerships. And then they make those introductions. It's not, Hey, I've used this business and they're the best thing ever. It's, Hey, I've seen some of the results that they've shared with me and it's impressive. And based on what they do, I think you two should talk, feel free to disregard this if it's not helpful. Right? So it's a very casual introduction, but as long as you do have quality content that reinforces your results, which is a whole separate conversation we could have, right? Um, then, then you're you're in really great shape to build partnerships. Okay. Now let's 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 move on with um, talking about how to make LinkedIn hum for for your B two B company. Um, two things that always come and come to mind. I mean, everyone can 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 do the targeting part, and then obviously it's part of setting up a campaign, you know, creating segments tightly enough or wide enough to get enough information to decide whether it's, you know, a, a segment that makes sense or not. 
But two things that always come up, um, testing and landing pages. So let, let's start test, about, talk about testing first. What's your guys' approach or, or where do you see the importance of testing? Is it A-B testing that you apply? Is there a different testing approach that you guys do to, to create great results for your clients? Yeah, so, so we actually use a, a testing method that we call A-B-Z testing. And, uh, and it's actually A-B dot dot dot. Z because there is ABZ testing. I'll explain first of all something that I do recommend, which is the typical ABZ test. That is, you test uh, variation one, variation two, and then you test something that is wildly out there in left field, but that you think might hit and might go really, really well. But it certainly is going to be a vastly different result than than A and B. Um, what we do is is uh, ABZ. Really, uh, if you look at it as a spreadsheet, AB. Uh, you know, about BZ uh, would be where you end up. Uh, we usually start off very first month with about 50 different ads targeted to the, the decision makers that we're reaching out to on LinkedIn through LinkedIn ads. Those 50 different ads are a whole variety of messaging. And that messaging comes from a couple of different places. Um, but, but before I go on about that, let me just explain a little bit more. So those 50 ads, we test for a couple of key metrics. We're looking at, at the KPIs of click-through rate and the KPI of conversion rate and cost per conversion. So those are the three that we're looking at initially. Now, those are early signals, right? Those are early indicators. Some people would say, well, number of impressions is an early indicator. That's a useless early indicator, right? Um, as, as, as you know, like, you, yeah, it's good to know what the impressions are, but it's not going to do anything for your business. Um, but, but even conversion rate and cost per conversion, those are early indicators of, okay, are, are these leads also going to move all the way through the funnel? But that's where we start. And then over time, we work towards understanding the, the full funnel and imp improving every aspect of that. When we look at what's getting measured and statistically significant in the very beginning, it's, it's those key metrics. The way that we run a ABZ testing is by gathering content from competitive audits. So we always start off with a competitive audit. We go and look at all of the ads that your competitors are running. We look at their web pages, and then we look at your content that you've run in the past, historical audit of the account, if there's anything of value in there already. And if not, we're looking at, at your general messaging, immersing in the big account, and then creating those variants based on what we think will work in collaboration with your team, right? And so... Then those 50 variants of those, we really only need two or three to be winners. And the goal is that you've got uh, a lot of losers and a lot of winners. Now, at the end of the day, LinkedIn says 0.35% is a successful LinkedIn ads campaign. What we typically are coming out of the gate with is somewhere between 1.4, 1.5%. And, and I'm saying click-through rate right now. Um, 1.4, 1.5%. Um, we've had one client where it was actually 35% out of the gate with tens of thousands of uh, actual clicks, right? So when you look at, at okay, well, what's the, what's the actual um, click-through rate? That really impacts your bidding strategy as well. So it's, it's this interconnected web. But when you look at the type of testing, yeah, it's got to be with LinkedIn testing out your messaging. And the reason for that is... One, it improves your overall success on LinkedIn. Two, you're going to get messaging insights that you can apply across your entire business. All the collateral, all the websites, digital and traditional assets that you create, trade show booths, anything that you do, you're going to learn from LinkedIn what your direct targeted decision makers respond well to. Interesting. 
Now, how do landing pages play in? I mean, you know, creating lots of ads is, is, is one thing. I think it's, it's really important to do so, right? Because you need to find a way that or the right message resonates with the right group of people that you're targeting. But then when you throw in landing pages, that kind of multiplies the testing part because, you know, you have to think about, okay, how many different landing pages do we need? Well, you start off with, you know, how do we break that down? Is it by product? Is it by message? Is it by where people are in a funnel? Is it by content? And all of a sudden, you know, you create a lot of permutations, which you then need to kind of track back and decide which combination works well. Where do we see better results? Um, talk to us about um, your approach with landing pages as it relates to that entire process of A-B testing and improving results. Sure. Uh, and I'll tell you, landing pages, we focus the most on within Google Ads. So on LinkedIn ads, we're generally sending uh, you know, people directly to either the content asset landing page, which we test at a, at a broader level to get the, the UX and the design exactly right for our audience. But once you have a landing page that's set up properly for a webinar, for instance, mm-hmm. and, and you know that that's really hitting well and winning with your audience... Replicating that again, you don't need to totally A-B test the whole thing again. You're testing a few things, the headlines, you know, that kind of thing. But even that applies across the board uh, fairly well. So what we're really looking at when, when we're testing heavily uh, is uh, in, in the long term and ongoing is testing for the product-based pages, right? So all of those pages that are directly about the product or offering or service. Um, and with that, we test the most within Google Ads and we use all the landing pages that we, that we test on Google ads and apply that to LinkedIn. So on LinkedIn, we're getting all the messaging right and applying that to Google ads. On Google, we're applying, we're, we're, we're getting all the landing pages right and applying that to LinkedIn ads. Um, on Google, we are getting really, really nuanced with search intent, right? So whereas on LinkedIn, we get very nuanced with the target audience. On Google, we get very nuanced with the search intent, which also taps to the target audience, but not in a way that we have the visibility into on LinkedIn uh, that we do on LinkedIn. So uh, on Google, what we're doing is, is often a one-to-one match of the actual searched keyword uh, and the landing page. And the way we do that is through a database-driven landing page system, where instead of saying, okay, well, I need to create a new landing page for XYZ keyword, that is a really important term, or even XYZ uh, ad group. Um, instead, we're saying, okay, that keyword, let's sub that in. Let's, let's create a set of, of landing pages. And each one is for a particular product. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes for a buyer persona within that product set, but a particular product. And then let's take dynamic insertion to dynamically insert the keywords in the appropriate places throughout and sometimes insert whole paragraphs differently, different imagery, right? But then you're, you're able to scale up in a much different way than you would if you were saying, okay, developer, I'd like you to clone this page. Copywriter, I'd like you to make sure that all the copy is properly in the right places on this clone page. And then you ran a test and you realized it's working well. Suddenly you have 400 pages that all need to be recoded to match the new design. Like that doesn't work, right? When you're trying to really scale for a business uh, to succeed really well on Google ads. And when you think about, you know, our clients or any client, any company that's running more of a dynamic insertion strategy or a database driven strategy on their landing pages versus a company that is doing the old fashioned approach, there's no question which one is going to win as long as everything else is equal. That makes sense. Are there other ways how you make LinkedIn and Google or vice versa work? 
with each other mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, as you said That's earlier, um, you know, LinkedIn activities are awareness, mid-level consideration areas where you kind of, you get in touch with, with your target audience. You tell them about the company that you're promoting, about the product, the services, whatever it is, right? And you kind of start taking them on their hand and leading them down the funnel to a point where they then decide, hey, I want to have that ebook. I, I want to sign up for the webinar, for example. But then at that point, LinkedIn kind of almost stops, right? Mm. Then you have to take them into 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 another channel, which is more intent-based as, as Google is, where when they're ready, it's like, I want ABC, you are there with your ad and you can basically convert them. So are there any any additional things that you guys do specifically to to lead people down and, and to, to make that connection successful? Yes, uh, that's a great question. Yeah, so inside of, of our overall bucket, I would say, of uh, account-based marketing and, and what we also refer to it as targeted sales approach, right? Mm-hmm. But um, within account-based marketing, it, it always starts with understanding exactly who's in the audience and building that, that custom list. That, that, first of all, when we know that, that list should be receiving a mix of education about the product and content, and then also be able to easily find you on search if they happen to be searching separately so that then they're saying, oh yeah, that company, I see them around all over the place, right? For, for uh, one of our clients that I just provided a report to, right? What we, what we identified is that the average account that they win across the entire company, the average account that they win has been touched on LinkedIn 79 times with image ads uh, inside of native LinkedIn feed posts and sidebar ads uh, on LinkedIn. Um, now, there are, there are other ways that we're reaching out to them as well, but 79 times, right? You think the old, the old rule of thumb was, okay, someone needs to see your ad seven times before they buy. That's not true anymore. But that 79 times is not nearly as expensive when you are targeting down to the exact right people yeah. because you're not putting it out there to, to a, a million of the wrong people. But when you think about how does that impact someone who searches on Google. But when they search on Google and they see the top three results, which usually are sponsored ads, and then maybe if they're savvy enough, they scroll down to the organic results too and see the top three there. If they're seeing a name that they recognize, that totally changes things. So we've paused LinkedIn ads on at clients' requests uh, where, we, where we were essentially blanketing the market with what we call air cover on LinkedIn for the brand, right? And that both that does generate high quality leads, but it also provides the brand awareness and education that is needed to convert in other channels. And so what we see, and we've seen this multiple times, when, when a client says, well, I want to pause LinkedIn ads because Google ads is performing so well for us. I want you to double that. And it's like, all right, cool, we'll, we'll do that. But here's what you should probably expect. And, and you look at the charts and you can tell exactly where LinkedIn's ad stops based on the number of conversions on Google ads, yeah. totally unrelated to LinkedIn ads, right? Um, because it's not unrelated. They are intricately tied together. Yeah, I think that's a great point, to be honest, because at the end of the day, you're priming the prospects with what you do on LinkedIn. You know, you're, you're introducing them to the product, to the company, and you're, you're creating a space in the minds of the target audience. Um, and as you said, once they are then actively are searching for things, there is the recognition basically happening. Without that awareness built, that company is just one of three or one of six if you you know, want to want to take the first three positions from an organic perspective as well. So I think before we before we come to the end of today's podcast episode, there's there's one question I have for you, which which I you know I have discussion with clients about that. And I'm pretty sure you have that too, which is measurement. 
when you do more upper and mid funnel activities, right, which is not necessarily so focused on lead generation, as I said, it's more about priming the audience and, and bringing them down the funnel and preparing them for conversion on, on kind of the retargeting side or the search side or whatever, you, you know, someone does on the lower funnel part. There's always a question of, well, do we, first of all, do we really need it? So if that's a question comes up, then it's like, how can we measure and show the impact of that, you know, of, of those awareness and, and, and consideration activities? Now, you just said some clients ask you to turn off LinkedIn. And, you know, that's a way to show it, but it's painful for, 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 <laughs> for, for the client, right? Because they will lose a good amount of leads until they really realize they need that. But um, it usually takes takes at least two months before they say, okay, you know what? The data is statistically exactly. significant. I get yeah. it. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so talk about your measurement approach into to outside of just turning off, you know, brand awareness and consideration activities to showcase to clients that there is a lot of value in there. And and do you take the spend that happens more in the mid and upper funnel and, and mix that with the lower funnel activity, or do you keep it separate? Yeah. So 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 we do we do blend it together. Um, and, and obviously have ways to, to separate it out visually as well. Sure. But, but we do blend that all together as, as um, uh, you know, when we look at an account by account basis, uh, what's, what's the overall influence. However, uh, there's obviously a big difference between a marketing generated lead and a marketing impacted or a marketing correlated lead, marketing influence lead, however you want to call it. Um, uh, you know, both of them matter. A lot, but uh, but what what top execs are generally going to look at is the marketing generated lead, um, and, and it's a, it's an unfortunate fallacy uh, that 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 happens. Um, it's not stupid, right? It makes it makes sense, um, but it, but it's it's a way of, of trying to simplify what is really a, a very complicated uh, uh, space. I, I'll be honest with you, I've I've had pretty pretty easy and ready answers for all of your other questions. This one is something that marketers struggle with. And I'm sure you've seen it yourself. There's not, um, there is not a perfect world out there and there, there never has been, but it is a less perfect world for attribution and especially multi multi-touch cross channel, uh, attribution than it has ever been. Um, and, and I remember Avinash Kaushik, uh, a Google uh, evangelist, a Google analytics evangelist, and now just generally analytics, uh, you know, guru, I guess. Uh, I remember maybe 15 years ago reading some of his content about how uh, the data is always wrong, but you still need to tell a story with the data and understand what it's saying as best as you can. Um, as privacy restrictions have improved for the consumer and, and for therefore every individual who works at every business, because that's all a business is, is individuals, um, as privacy, privacy regulations have improved, uh, what that's meant for, for marketers is that we, uh, despite an increasing array of tools at our disposal, are struggling more and more to be able to truly tell the story to the executives that need to know it in order to trust the data. Um, and so you're unfortunately uh, either relying on, uh, you know, the limited story that you can tell uh, with full, uh, full transparency uh, into, into what's happening. Um, and the, and the uh, you know, what I would say is analogy based uh, examples, right? So it's, it's much, much more limited data sets than your full audience where you're able to see, for example, probably lots of, of your audience listening to this um, uses Google Analytics. Well, you can see in Google Analytics uh, some of the the paths 
that uh, that individuals have taken and, and the, the various touch points that have led them to the site, right? And and so sometimes you're going to see, uh, oh yeah, there were there were you know four different LinkedIn touches along the way, and there were two Google's at Google Ads touches, and there were organic touches, and uh, yeah, that's that's available. Sometimes, most of the time, it's not now. And so we can we can either say, all right, well, we're going to spend a very very large amount of money to uh, come closer to having true transparency into that, which is as close as even the Fortune 500 have is closer to transparency. Uh, or you can say, well, we're going to go with best practices and the limited data we have and make educated uh, decisions based on that and and know that they are not truly uh, scientific. They are they are based on uh, you know I call it analogy. It's still it's still based on sets of data that are you know sometimes hundreds of thousands large. But it's if it's hundreds of thousands, that's out of uh, you know tens or hundreds of millions uh, uh, that are not um, uh, visible and, and truly tracked properly. So you end up with a, a loss there. That's just that's just how it goes. And so each marketer and each company who's, in, who's working with marketers has to approach that in a way that works for them. And, and it is a, it, it is the hardest part of my job, honestly. <laughs> well, listen, Ryan, this has been a great conversation. Thank you so much for your time. Um, if people want to find out more about you and what you guys are doing at the moving company, how can they get in touch? Sure. So movingb2b.com. Uh, that is the, the way to reach us online. And two is the number two. Uh, you can, you can reach out to me directly, Ryan at movingb2b.com. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn and, and LinkedIn is the best place to see the kind of work that we do along with our company website. But I always say LinkedIn is the one place where companies can't BS their, their testimonials from customers. Really, it's LinkedIn and anything on video, right? But, uh, uh, at the end of the day, there are a lot of companies that post up fake reviews by fake customers and, uh, and so it's always fun to be able to have a client go through and check out um, the, the kind of work that we've done to bring companies to uh, number one in their industry, privately held, or uh, uh, to help companies get to acquisition, that kind of thing. Those testimonials really, um, really do matter. And so I not only recommend checking mine out, but, uh, but if you have not been gathering those yourself, uh, that is such a big impact on your agency or your business to be able to, to show people all the great work that you do. It's something that we often overlook after all of this work. We just don't get that extra. We, we don't have that extra time to go and, and just ask for the, the testimonial. And, and it's, it's so easy and, and so beautiful to the results you'll get. Perfect. Well, thanks everyone for listening. If you like the performance of our podcast, please subscribe to us and leave us a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast application. If you want to find out more about Symphonic Digital, you can visit us at symphonicdigital.com or follow us on Twitter at SymphonicHQ. Thanks again and see you next time. Performance Delivered is sponsored by Symphonic Digital. Discover audience-focused and data-driven digital marketing solutions for small and medium businesses at symphonicdigital.com.